Please pray with me. Heavenly Father, I thank you so much just for this opportunity to come before you, Lord. This just amazing time that you've given us, Lord, to worship you. Worship you through studying your word. And Lord, we want to hear from you today, Lord, as we read these pages, Lord, the pages of our Bible, Lord, your gift to us, your revelation of who you are to us, Lord. Lord, I just pray that your Holy Spirit would just be poured out upon this message, Lord, that it be poured about me, be poured out upon everyone listening now and even later, Lord, that they would hear from you. We want to hear from you, Lord. We want to hear from our God, our Lord, our Savior, our Redeemer, the one that gives us joy and peace, that's bestowed mercy and grace. That's who we want to hear from today, Lord. So, Lord, I just pray that you would speak to us, Lord. Speak to our hearts, Lord. Such difficult times are among so many of us, Lord. Lord, we just come to you. We come to you as a church. In Jesus' name, amen. The last two weeks, you know, I've, I've been speaking of who Jesus is, if you guys remember, right? And we also have been asking the question is, not only who Jesus is, but also what has Jesus done for each of us? And what did he do for the world? And then, once we answer these questions, we really got to ask, is what has Jesus asked of us? What has he commanded us to do? And then, we've heard that, but what is your response? What is my response to Jesus? So the first question that I asked right there is, who is Jesus? I could teach a whole sermon on that, but I'm going to tell you right now, just real quick, who is Jesus? Jesus is God, and he is my Lord. He is my Savior. Then I ask, and we went over this last week, is who, what, or, sorry, what has he done for each of us? We know that Jesus came to this earth as a man, living a perfect, sinless life, and then allowed himself to be placed on the cross, to be placed on that cross to have our sins, past, present, and future, placed on him, bearing the price of each of our sins once and forever. And that was death. He endured death for each of us, the price of our sins. But then we know that Jesus, who he is, he defeated sin, he defeated death, and he was resurrected three days later. He is alive. We serve a living God. So we need to know this. It's so important as we begin. Jesus, he saved not only us from death, but it's more than that. He saved us from our sins. It's true. But he also, he's given us the promise, the promise of eternal life. So then again, I asked, I'm going to answer the question, what has Jesus commanded us each to do? Jesus tells us, and you know, there's many different things he does tell us, but our focus today and focus the last few weeks and the focus on the disciples is to go out to fulfill the Great Commission, to go out and share the good news, the good news that he is alive and he has given us promises and he has saved us from our sin, to go out into the world and share this news of Jesus Christ. But then was the last question I asked you. What is your response? As Jesus has asked us all to do this. Will we go out? Will we go out and testify to others of Jesus and what he's done in our lives and how he saved each of us? You know, we're going to get into it today, but I'll tell you, as I ask our response, you know, I'm not capable really to do this. But we are capable because we have the Holy Spirit. We have God residing in us. We're going to talk about that more. That's how we do it. So as we begin today, you're going to need your Bibles. Um, open them up to Acts. 
We're going to start right there. Acts chapter 1 is where we left off last week. We're just really beginning a new, uh, I don't know, ch- chapter or whatever you want to call it, a new series. We're going to go through Acts, however long it takes us. And as you open up to Acts chapter 1, I want to read a quote uh, as we begin really this series in Acts. This is from John MacArthur. Maybe some of you have heard of him lately. He's a very popular and very wise uh, pastor in California. And he's known all over the world. But as he's commentary, his commentary on Acts, I want to read this quote from him. He says, Christ's work of redemption is completed. And his church work of evangelism begins. So this is where we're going to pick, off, pick up today in Acts. Um, so... As we start, we know where I left off. We read the first three verses last week. So let's begin in reading in Acts chapter 1. Let's look at verses 4 and 5. Once, when he was eating with them, he commanded them, Do not leave Jerusalem until the Father sends you the gift he promised. As I told you before, John baptized with water, But in just a few days, you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Immediately, Luke takes us back, right? We've studied this over the last few weeks, to the instructions that Jesus has given the disciples. And Jesus, he's so clear. Um, You know, even though these disciples, they've been with Jesus for three years. They've witnessed his death. Um, They even, they witnessed his resurrection. They, they... Fellowship with Jesus in his resurrected body. Yet here we see in the text, it's very clear. Jesus has commanded them and told them still, wait until they were baptized with the Holy Spirit. There's a big lesson in this right there for all of us, right? These disciples, they had a purpose, a divine purpose, a divine calling from our Lord. But he said, wait, wait until you are baptized with the Holy Spirit. This tells me that, you know, even after being a Christian for half my life, uh, belonging to Jesus, um, having served in many different churches and different uh, roles, after even going to Bible college, uh, getting my degree, uh, being an ordained pastor, that is still with all of that, it is only through the Holy Spirit that I should go out, that that's what would empower me to go out and be sent out to share the good news, to share the gospel to the ends of the earth. It's through the Holy Spirit. Now, all these things I mentioned, you know, serving in the church and Bible college, they're not bad things, but it's only through the pouring out of the Holy Spirit that we will truly, that was, that's what will truly equip a believer to fulfill the Great Commission. Right? We need to know this. so important. In fact, I want to take a look back here. We're in Acts, but we're going to turn back right quick to Luke. Turn back to Luke chapter 3. And we're going to read about this a little bit. Told you you need your Bibles today. We're going to be in a lot of passages. Luke chapter 3 verse 16. John answered their questions by saying, I baptize you with water, but someone is coming who is greater than I. So much greater that I'm not even worthy to be a slave and untie the straps of his sandals. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. Again, we are not to go out on our own, but only once we have been baptized with the Holy Spirit, once we have had that power. When this happens, each person, 
you know, how, you know, how this happens to each person and when and exactly what that looks like. You know, I think each of us have a different testimony of what that looks like, what it is to be empowered by the Holy Spirit, what it is to have that outpouring of the Holy Spirit, what it is to be baptized by the Holy Spirit. Each of us should have a testimony, right? And I've talked to a lot of people, and many people have different testimonies of what that initially looks like for them. But the truth is, we must have had that outpouring of that Holy Spirit before we can be effective in going out and fulfilling God's purpose for each one of us, right? Just as we see the examples from the disciples, so the question I ask is, if I've just said this, have you been baptized with the Holy Spirit? Do you even, do you even know, are you familiar with this term? Uh, I'm going to spend probably over the next month teaching on this subject. So I'm not going to go too in-depth today. But, you know, if you look back even at the passages that we've been studying, we've been seeing... All of this starting to take place with the disciples is leading up to this point. And, you know, all of us are commissioned to go out into the world and share the gospel. Just as the disciples were, as we looked at last week and the week before. But again, Jesus was clear. He told them, wait. Wait until you receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit. What I see really in this text, in this latest stories, is a, a progress. Um, a step-by-step, you'd call it. You know, first for a Christian, we know, you come to faith in Jesus. You make him your Lord of your life, right? He becomes your Savior. And then, usually, there's some discipleship that will take place uh, with you and within your church. And you come to know and understand more who Jesus is, right? This is what we've seen with the disciples. Three years they spent with Jesus, right? And then, once they kind of understand, and they know, you know your Bibles, you understand these things, then we see that, here with the disciples, we see now an outpouring of the Holy Spirit. Then, once they've received that outpouring, it was then, as we will study through the book of Acts, that they truly were to go out and share the hope, the hope of Jesus that we have in this fallen world. So, I want to be clear. Let's go back to Acts. Acts chapter 1. Let's continue there. Let's look at verses 6 and 8. So when the apostles were with Jesus, they kept asking him, Lord, has the time come for you to free Israel and restore our kingdom? Look at verse 7. He replied, The Father alone has the authority to set those dates and times. They're not for you to know. Verse 8. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes over you. And you will be my witnesses, telling people about me everywhere in Jerusalem, throughout Judea, in Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. Again, Luke is still taking us back, right? Back to the time when the disciples spent with the resurrected Jesus. And it's very apparent, you know, just, just as it is still today, there seems to be a little bit of confusion in the disciples' mind, just as there's some sometimes confusion in a Christian's mind of what Jesus was teaching them. They didn't still quite get the whole picture. The disciples, they were asking about the kingdom, right? They are asking about the timing, asking when would this take place? By looking at the text, I'm not sure they quite fully understood about this kingdom of God. Um, maybe they did, maybe they didn't. Um, for sure, I think that they didn't quite grasp it wasn't at this time going to be part of this world. This was a spiritual kingdom. Now, we talked a lot about that last week, that we belong to his kingdom as soon as we accept Jesus as our Lord and Savior. 
Now, it's true. The disciples were looking towards more of this physical kingdom here on earth. And, you know, this kingdom will be here on earth one day, the millennial rule. And Jesus will rule this kingdom here on earth. But until then, we still belong to his kingdom spiritually. This, it's just, it's amazing when you look at it all. Um, you know, through faith, we today belong to the kingdom of heaven, the kingdom of God. This is who we belong to, right? The kingdom of God. Our citizenship is in heaven, not here. You know, as I say all that, I think it was a little hard for the disciples to grasp this concept. Maybe it's even sometimes a little difficult for us sometimes. That's why they were asking. You look at the text. Lord, has the time come for you to free Israel and restore our kingdom? I look forward to that day, still today. I want to look at another passage in Luke. Turn back to Luke. This time we're going to be in chapter 17. It's going to talk about this a little more. We're going to look at chapter 17. We're going to look at uh, 20 through 25. One day, the Pharisees asked Jesus, When will the kingdom of God come? Jesus replied, The kingdom of God can't be detected by visible signs. You won't be able to say, Here it is, or it's over there. For the kingdom of God is already among you. Then he said to his disciples, The time is coming when you will long to see the day when the Son of Man returns. But you won't see it. People will tell you, Look, there is the Son of Man, or here he is. But don't go out and follow them. For as the lightning flashes and the lights up the sky from one end to the other, so will be on that day when the Son of Man comes. But first, the Son of Man must suffer terribly and be rejected by this generation. Again, if we have placed our faith in Jesus Christ, he then indwells within you, right? And you belong at that point to the kingdom, to God's kingdom, to this is eternity. Even though physically all of us reside right here on this earth, on this planet, right here, wherever we may be standing, we, if, put, if we put our faith in Jesus, we belong to the kingdom of God. We don't belong to this fallen world no more. One day, too, each of us, all of us, we will join each other and we will join Jesus in our glorified bodies and reside in this kingdom. It will be a glorious day. Our homes are with Jesus in heaven. They're not here, not here on earth, not even in these broken bodies. I'll tell you, praise the Lord, because my back's always giving me problems. I will have a glorified body one day in heaven. And that's where I know, that's where my faith and my hope is. You know... I think as I talk about this and I speak about it, I think most of us, especially in the times that we're in right now, pretty much everyone in the whole world, um, we look even more and more forward to these times that we will reside with Christ, where we will go, go to this place, this kingdom. You know, especially, I mean, you think the world is it's just it's falling more and more away from God. It's getting more and more each day, each week. It's getting... More of a darker place. You know, as the disciples were going to face some incredibly difficult times. They also, they looked forward to this time. They looked forward to being in this kingdom. But they weren't quite sure what this looked like or exactly what it was. They wanted to know what this kingdom, you know, what it looked like. Just as any one of us would want to know, want to know when is Jesus coming? But Jesus is clear, very clear in this text, that the time is not known to us, is only known to God. 
And look at, I want to turn and look at a passage concerning this. 1 Thessalonians 5, 1. Now, concerning how and when all of this will happen, dear brothers and sisters, we really don't need to write you, for you know quite well that the day of the Lord's return will come unexpectedly, like a thief in the night. Jesus instructs us what we are to do. We are to wait, right? Just we are wait, wait for his coming. And while we're waiting, we're to go out and tell the world about Jesus everywhere. It says here, from Jerusalem, uh, throughout Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. We do this once we have received the, the Holy Spirit, the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. Again, we preached and we've been talking about this for the last few weeks. We shouldn't just be sitting around, but we are each are full of the Holy Spirit, Right? We should be going out and we should be sharing the good news. That we should be going out and sharing through the power of the Holy Spirit the love of Jesus and what he's done for the sinner. What he's done for each one of us. I think I just heard some of you, but we're in lockdown. What can I do in lockdown? How can I be a witness for Jesus and go out and tell people about Jesus in a lockdown? Remember, you have the same power in you that's created everything known and unknown in existence. Think about that. You have the same power in you that raised Jesus from the dead, defeating sin. You have the ability to go out. You have the ability to reach someone who hasn't heard the gospel right now, right where you sit. You can share Jesus with the world right now from your phone. You can reach the lost in so many different ways. You can message them. You can call them. Um, here's a, what about inviting them to church online and watching today's message? It's still not too late to get on your phone and invite someone. How many people did you text today and invite to church today? Online. Did you invite even the people that live within your own house? Um, did you say, hey, 4 o'clock, Refuge Online, you want to join me? Maybe... Hey, go grab them right now. Oh, I can wait a minute. We can still go out and fulfill that calling in our life and go out and share the gospel, even by sitting in our houses, by inviting someone just to sit there and study God's word just as we are. Is your whole family watching the service? Ask them to join. I actually saw this happen recently. I know one person that on Tuesday night that's been inviting his whole family and his friends on Tuesday. And I'll tell you, last Tuesday, we had three new people come up and they were studying God's word together with us. Praise the Lord. He has been obedient to the Great Commission. That's being obedient. A witness. He's been a true witness to the love of Jesus and following this command. You know, I, I'm just amazed. I'm amazed at the difference it will make if you will just reach out even where you sit and invite people to come worship and invite people to come watch and listen. Well, let's continue back in Acts. Turn back to Acts chapter 1. Let's look at verses 9 through 11. After saying this, he was taken up into a cloud while they were watching, and they could no longer see him. As they strained to see him rising into heaven, two white-robed men suddenly stood among them. Men of Galilee, they said, why are you standing here staring into heaven? Jesus has been taken from you into heaven, but someday he will return from heaven in the same way you saw him go. 
Could you imagine being one of the disciples, being there, witnessing this? And as you're witnessing this just amazing thing, just absolute complete wonder, amazement, and then these two men, which we know were actually angels, tell you to stop standing around looking around, right? Jesus, he had told them how this was all going to take place, that this would happen. Just as he's told us what's going to happen. What am I talking about exactly? Turn in your Bibles to Revelation. Revelation chapter 1, verse 7. It's talking about the second coming. Look, he comes with the clouds of heaven, and everyone will see him, even those who pierced him, and all the nations of the world will mourn for him. Yes, amen. Can you just... I mean, imagine this. Jesus has told us how and what's going to take place. We, we don't need to be amazed, staring up and wondering what was taking place and what was happening. In fact, we should be worshiping God and gathering together and just seeking after our Lord. As I read these passages, go back to Acts. As I read these particular verses, look back. Two words really kind of stood out to me, I guess you would say. So look at verses 12 through 14. And I want you to look for these two words that stood out to me. Then the apostles returned to Jerusalem from the Mount of Olives, a distance of a half a mile. When they arrived, they went to the upstairs room of the house where they were staying. Here are the names who are present. Peter, John, James, Andrew, Philip, Thomas, Bartholomew, Matthew, James, son of Alphaeus, Simon the Zealot, and Judas, son of James. Uh, 14 or so. They all met together and were constantly united in prayer, along with Mary, the mother of Jesus, several other women, and the brother of Jesus. I kind of gave the words away that I was hoping you'd find. Did you see which two words I was kind of after? Jesus, he's, he's left the disciples now, right? He's been drawn up. And these disciples apparently were obedient, right? He instructed them to wait. They'd gone into Jerusalem. They'd gone into a place, this upper room, which I believe is where they've been before. And they've gone to this place to pray, to gather, to seek the Lord. And again, what was it? The two words did you see? I saw constantly and united. As I read these, these really just stood out to me. These believers, they had gathered to wait for Jesus, as they were told to, to wait in prayer. But what I found, they were... Constantly united in prayer. I had to ask, what does it mean for the church? This was the church. What did it mean for them to be constantly and to be united in prayer? Does this still happen today? What is What has united them, right? What had brought them together? What had prompted them to be united? What could cause the church today to be united in the same way? In prayer. What, what were they praying about? I, we don't know, but I think they were praying about this outpouring of the Holy Spirit. They were praying for what Jesus had promised, for this outpouring of the Holy Spirit to be upon the church. The power of God would be shown through this church. That they would be equipped by God, that they would be able to go out and share the love of Christ with the world. I'm not exactly sure. But I believe they were praying something very similar to this, I would imagine. Imagine if the church prayed like that today. 
united constantly, praying as the whole body for the outpouring of the Spirit so that we can go out and share the love of Christ. Praying that God's Spirit would be poured out through the entire church body so that through this, everyone that we would come in contact with would come to know how much Jesus loves him. Can we pray like this? Or maybe, I know I'm guilty a little bit as praying more what God can do for me. As I read through this, I I was reading different commentaries and studying different things. As we're talking about prayer, I want to read you a quote from Warren Worsby. Prayer is both the thermometer and the thermostat of the local church. For the spiritual temperature either goes up or down depending on how God's people pray. Prayer is so essential in our Christian walk. And to be united together and to be constantly praying for the, the, the gospel to go out through the power of the Holy Spirit. Let's continue to read in Acts. Acts chapter 1. Again, we're going to look at 15 through 20 this time. During this time, when about 120 believers were together in one place, Peter stood up and addressed them. Brothers, he said, the scriptures had to be fulfilled concerning Judas, who guided those who arrested Jesus. This was predicted long ago by the Holy Spirit speaking through King David. Judas was one of us and shared in the ministry with us. Wow. Let's just keep reading. 18 and 20. Judas had bought a field with the money he received for his treachery. Falling head first there, his body split open, spilling out all his intestines. The news of his death spread to all the people of Jerusalem, and they gave the place in the place in an name Arcanium. I pronounced that wrong. Forgive me. Which means filled of blood. Some. You know, as you read this, there's different opinions here as we see what Peter is doing here, right? Some maybe would believe that Peter was a little impatient, right? Because they were told to wait, right? Peter has a track record, right? But they were all gathered together praying. But, you know, I think it's very possible at this point as we read this, I think Peter actually at this time was actually led by the Spirit because you can see there... There's scriptures backing this up. And I don't know what led Peter to this. I don't know exactly what prompted Peter to stand up and announce this, to talk about this. Um, you know, I believed, he, he says he believes that the scriptures needed to be fulfilled before there could be an outpouring of the Holy Spirit. And this was concerning Judas and his replacement. You know, Again, I'm not 100% sure if this was Peter just being led by the Holy Spirit or maybe his own. You know, most likely, I think, because he he's recalling scriptures and quoting scriptures, I, I think possibly this was from the Holy Spirit. Many theologians have debated if Peter was acting on his own or according to a prompting by God, by the Holy Spirit. As I look at these different verses, um, you know, I found it interesting. Look at verse 17. Judas was one of us who shared in the ministry with us. You know, when I read this, it really seems to me to state that Judas, you know, we know he was one of the disciples. But at some point, Judas, he fell into sin. And he turned from following Jesus and turned against Jesus and he sought out his own desires, his own sin. 
I mean, to the point, it tells us Judas fell to such depravity that the Bible says Satan entered into Judas before he betrayed Jesus. You know, make of this maybe what you'd like, but I believe a person, just as Judas here, can follow Jesus and then turn from Jesus and turn to their own sin. Now, I don't believe Judas was ever saved, but I believe he was. We can see a part of the 12 disciples. And then he walked away from Jesus. He never came to faith, even though he was part of that, that group for three years. You know, if, continue to look at the rest of these passages here, these scriptures that we just went over, and we see that Peter, he expounds and tells us very graphically the result of Peter's sin. I'm sorry, Peter, Judas' sin, right? Very graphic. His intestines were spread, spread out. I mean, very graphic. And he continues. Look at verse 20. It says, Peter continued. He reminds us that all of this had to take place and that it was all known by God beforehand, as you can read in Psalms. You know, this is kind of a strange situation and maybe even difficult to kind of grasp. But, you know, as I look at this, I'm reminded God is sovereign. He knew about all of this. And sometimes when I see things like this, I need this reminder in the situations that we're in today. You know, that unfortunately there are people like Judas's around, right? And there, there are people that, like that that are in the churches around the world. And especially in the times today, the, the Bible is so clear, there was a, a great falling away. That's when people will turn from Jesus and turn to their sin. And that's, I think that's what we've seen here. Then we see the results. It still happens today. In fact, I want to turn to Matthew real quick. Let's go to Matthew chapter 24, 24, 10 through 14. And many will turn away from me and betray and hate each other. And many false prophets will appear and will deceive many people. Sin will be rampant everywhere and the love of many will grow cold. But the one who endures to the end will be saved. And the good news about the kingdom will be preached throughout the whole world so that all nations will hear it and then the end will come. None of this should surprise us. None of it should be surprising to us because we've been warned throughout the scriptures of what was going to take place. Let's go back to Acts. Let's look at 21 through 25. So now... We must choose a replacement for Judas from among the men who were with us the entire time we were traveling with the Lord Jesus. From the time he was baptized by John until the day he was taken from us. Whoever is chosen will join us as a witness of Jesus' resurrection. So they nominated two men. Joseph called Barnabas. I said that wrong. Also known as Justice and Matthias. Then they all prayed, O Lord, you know every heart. Show us which of these men you have chosen as an apostle to replace Judas in this ministry. For he has deserted us and gone where he belongs. Then they cast lots. And Matthias was selected to become an apostle with the other eleven. Some very, very interesting passages that we read here, right? I, You know... I even, as I read this, I found it kind of strange just to think about this. They'd chosen these two men, and then they'd cast lots. But, you know, this, this is not actually as uncommon maybe as it seems. Um, it, and turn back to your Bibles to Proverbs. Go to 1633. 1633. 
It says, we may throw the dice, but the Lord determines how they fall. Interesting, this wasn't necessarily really uncommon to do something like this. In our culture, we're kind of like, this is different, kind of strange. Not the way I would suggest now, especially since we have the indwelling of the Holy Spirit to guide us. Um, you know, as I went through this message, I thought, and I thought about this process, and I talked about this process earlier, right? And I'd like to visit it just for a minute to just go back over this, because we see this leading up to the book of Acts, leading up to the baptism, the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. So first, in a Christian's life, in the disciples' life, we see, you know, faith, repentance, right? And then we see forgiveness from Jesus. And then we've seen water baptism, right? If you look back. And then you see discipleship. And now here in Acts, we're talking about the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And then being set, sent out to the ends of the earth. These are the aspects that we see as the disciples, as they walk through it, as followers of Jesus. And I wonder, many of us, if we haven't experienced something similar, right? Have we experienced these things? Have we experienced faith and repentance, forgiveness, water baptism, a discipleship, and then a baptism of the Holy Spirit, an outpouring of the Holy Spirit, and then to go out and share that gospel? Again, have you, have you been baptized in the Holy Spirit? As we close, and I ask this question, I'm going to turn back to Matthew again, chapter 3. Verse 11. I baptize with water those who repent of their sins and turn to God. But someone is coming who is greater than I am. So much greater that I'm not even worthy to be a slave and carry his sandals. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. Let's also look at verse 16. After his baptism, as Jesus came up out of the water, the heavens were opened and he saw the Spirit of God descending on, descending like a dove and settling on him. You know, it's just amazing when you read these passages. I, I, I don't know about you. When I read this, I see two different baptisms, right? I mean, look again at verse 16. It says, after his baptism. It's talking about the water baptism. After his water baptism, then the Spirit of God descended like a dove and settled on him. And again, I believe this is the baptism of the Holy Spirit. This is when Jesus become equipped to go out and do the work that God had called him to do. To go out and share the good news, to share the, that he was the Christ, he was the Messiah, that he was God. Because then, even Jesus did the work through the power of the Holy Spirit. Think about that. Even Jesus. And we could continue reading here in Matthew as it continues in chapter 4. I'm sure many of you are familiar with it. But what happened right after this, right after Jesus was baptized, right after he had that indwelling power of the Holy Spirit within him, what happened? Satan attacked him, right? Attacked him. He tried to tempt Jesus from going out and sharing the good news. He told him lies. But how did Jesus defeat Satan? So important as I saw this. Satan's lies were defeated by Jesus through what? The Word of God, our Bibles. No other resource, just the Word of God. This is what defeated Satan and his lies. We need to be studying our Bibles. You know, we don't need to be in a bunch of other resources. We need to be in our Bibles. Because it is through our Bibles, through the Scriptures, that we can be prepared. Prepared for Satan's attacks. You know, there's a lot of other different books out there. And they're not all bad. But most of them aren't really going to prepare you 
for attacks just as Jesus endured from Satan, from these lies of Satan. In fact, a lot of them can even draw you away from reading your Bible and keep you away from reading the true word of God, which that can, it can result in a stumbling of your faith and your walk with Jesus. And it, your relationship, if you're reading a lot of other books and besides the Bible, stick to the Bible. I was listening to a sermon the other day, and uh, one of my pastor friends was teaching, and he was telling about a person that was complaining, right? They were complaining that they've been reading their Bible, but they wanted to hear more. They wanted better understanding from God. They, you know what he even said? He says, I, I want to hear God speak out loud audibly to me, right? That's what he asked, right? You know what that pastor told him? He says, grab your Bible. Read it out loud. Then you'll hear from God. Amen? I mean, it sounds silly, but it's true. You want to hear from God, read your Bible. You want to understand your Bible, you have the power of God in you. You have the Holy Spirit in you. He will reveal these things to you. You don't need other resources to do that. Again, if we want to know Jesus, we need, to, we need the Holy Spirit and we need to read our Bibles. As I close up today, I want to read a quote from Chuck Smith. God's desire is that our lives will reflect Jesus Christ. We're to follow his example and walk in his steps, but we can't do that on our own ability or power. In the flesh, apart from the power of the Holy Spirit, we cannot forgive or love or be kind or considerate as Jesus was. But through the transforming power of the Holy Spirit, we can indeed reflect his character and his nature. Please pray with me. And again, we'll have some worship after this, so stick around. For now, let's pray. Heavenly Father, as we read this story here, in the, starting through the book of Acts, finishing the chap, first chapter, Lord, I just pray, Lord, as I started to share on the baptism of the Holy Spirit and how we need that outpouring of the Spirit to go out and fulfill your purposes in our lives. Even Jesus needed that, Lord, and you did that for him. Lord, I just pray, Lord, that we would seek this, Lord. We'd seek this relationship with you, Lord. Lord, that you would empower your church to go out, Lord, and fulfill the purpose that you have for each and every one of us, Lord. And even though we're on stay-at-home or lockdown orders, Lord, we're not helpless, Lord. We have the power of God residing in us, Lord. And we can still, even then, we can have conversations with people, even if it's through phones or internet. And we can talk to people and we can share the gospel, Lord. There's plenty we can still be doing. So, Lord, I just pray that you would prompt each person to to call someone today, to speak to them, to share somehow through your power of your Holy Spirit about who you are. Lord, I thank you for this time. I just ask for a blessing on this message and a blessing on this country. And please watch over everyone as we continue our week. In Jesus' name I pray. God bless.